0: let to start with a story. A man wanted to become a monk. So he went to a monastery and he talked to the head monk and the head monk said, you must take a vow of silence and you can only say two words every 10 years. The man agrees and takes the vow of silence. 10 years later, the head monk comes to him and says, it has been 10 years. What are your words? Food Colt," said the man. Hmm. Another 10 years passed, and the head monk approaches him again and asks him what his two words are, bed hard. And so another 10 years passed, and the head monk sees him again and asks the same question, I quit. The head monk looks at him and says, well, good, because you've had nothing good to say since you got here. Come on, let's give God some praise. All right. That was a grandpa joke. I didn't even make father's joke, I don't. All right. Well, when we talk about, uh, in your bulletin, you, there's a uh, fill in the blanks. The first thing I want to talk about is oftentimes we feel in this place called Dire Straits. And I know that's a band. You guys are, yeah, I know the song. But Dire Straits, it's a place that we often feel like we're in. We feel crunched. And it's interesting, just like we sang this morning about Egypt. Egypt is a Hebrew word called Mitzrayim. And when we look into the scriptures, we understand that when we get into this place of feeling squeezed, we feel like we're in dire straits, we begin to experience this thing called anxiety. And I want you to be very aware of how anxiety affects you. I feel in my own life over the past number of years, I've been able to take some ground in that place of anxiety. We send anxiety back to hell where it belongs. Anxiety is not your friend. And anxiety is this place, but it's also a picture of remember when the Lord took the people out of Egypt. If Egypt means, Egypt actually means double anxiety. It means this place of being squeezed. Mitzrayim is the plural word. It means double anxiety. The name Egypt comes from the Hebrew word metzar, which means pressed in and is usually translated as trouble or straits how is anxiety doubled when one has anxiety about both the past and the future come on how many felt like that before i'm anxious over my past of the things i've done i feel guilty i feel like a rascal and my future i don't feel like i have hope for my future so you have anxiety on both ends and what's happening it's squeezing you so you are not powerful in the present am i speaking to anyone this morning you awful quiet here Bible says this in Philippians four, six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So there's this anxiety, you know, anxiety. It's, it's this feeling about my past. uh, I'm not settled. Jesus settles your past. Guilt is what we do to try to make our guilt is what we do to try to pay for our own sins. If you're feeling guilty for your own sins that you have repented of and you've given them to Jesus then they're no longer your sins they're his sins and now you're stealing from Jesus and that's a sin I'm working the crowd today don't steal from Jesus come on you know that so that's what guilt does and it's not a lot of religious people And come on, we can agree with this. A lot of religious people believe if they work hard enough, I can pay for my sins. So they work really hard to try to be good. But you don't get forgiveness because of how hard you work. You get forgiveness because of how hard Jesus worked. And that conquers, it crushes anxiety. You are not called to live in anxiety. The Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. And once, like, as, as I've been realizing, I've been living in anxiety. You know, there's certain people that will cause you anxiety, but that will bring anxiety. That's, that's what they do. Whenever I feel anxiety from somebody, it usually means that they're operating, we call it a Jezebel spirit. They're operating as spirits trying to bring drama in your life. People can do that to us. And we got to live with people. It's okay. But we have to sometimes separate ourselves mentally and spiritually from people. And there are good people out there that sometimes just, they get rattled and they try to put anxiety on us. And we just need to learn how to gracefully declare the blood of Jesus over me. I'm not going to live in anxiety. I'm not going to live in anxiety. This is the five-year plan, by the way. If you wanted like a one, one stop and done sermon today, I mean, I'm good. Don't get me wrong. But you're probably on the five-year plan. We're, I'm in the slow class, so it's Okay. But this is a, how many want to conquer anxiety this year? Take some ground. Like this is no place for the Christian to live. We can't stay in this place of of dire straits because we'll never overcome negativity if we're living in anxiety because anxiety zaps our strength. And if our strength is zapped, we cannot overcome the enemy and his works. The Bible tells us that there was a group of people that actually came out of Egypt and that group of people that came with them was called the rabble. And the rabble came with this group of people and they were always grumbling and complaining and they were always talking and bringing down the rest of the group. How many know there are times in certain people that that's what they do? And there's voices out there. They want to bring negativity into our lives and it's vital that we do that. Hey guys, if we could end that conversation in the back, that would be great. Please. Thank you. So what we have to do is one of the things we realize is we have to defeat that rabble in our lives. Numbers 11, four and five, it says, now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again. And they said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt and it cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. How many feel the voice of the rabble sometimes in their lives? Oh, we should go back to Egypt. It was so much better back then. No responsibility back then. I didn't have to work at this thing. But, you know, being a Christian, it's not what happens on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. And our goal is that you become bigger on the inside. So no matter what happens on the outside, you're not rattled. How many know the problem is oftentimes not the problem, but it's your reaction to the problem that then becomes the problem? So it's learning when we get hit, we're like, okay, something good is about to come my way. That's what your pastor says every time that some, something crazy happens. I'm like, oh, good, something good Is about to break out. Come on, you got to be a little crazy to be here at Gateway Church sometime. You got to tell yourself, wow, something good is about to break. Something really good is about to happen because the enemy is emptying out everything he can to take me down. But he's on a budget and I serve a God with endless resources. It was so funny. I remember one night we had a special speaker in and great, just looking forward to it. The place was packed. And we were getting ready just for a great time of worship and it was one of the worst nights of worship i've ever had in my life i felt embarrassed i felt small i felt like it was just it went flat i remember my son was like what happened dad i'm like i don't know what happened but it was horrible you know and I were like okay and i went home that night and i said well devil you're on a budget you spent all that you had last night to defeat me and discourage me so guess what's going to happen today so i come in the next day i'm pumped I'm like, the devil just spent his entire budget on me last night to destroy me. Watch what happens. And can I tell you, when we first started playing here, we just, the first chord, the power of God hit the place. People were all over the floor. The power gets goes out during the worship service. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And the speaker didn't even want to speak because the presence of God came so richly. But that's what's going to happen when the enemy attacks you. He's on a budget. He's limited. So we have to realize we're in a battle... And when we deal with negative, and you know us, we have to deal with some negative stuff today, right? Like, we deal with stuff, but there is an appropriate time. And let me encourage you, never start out conversations in a negative way. Never. Like, there are times when you have to, there's times when, uh, I never have to break, but my wife has to bring up issues in my life, you know. We have to break, no, we have to deal with issues in our lives. But it shouldn't be the first thing, our first conversation. Be, use Wisdom. Like, address things, but use wisdom. Make sure that you have, like, ten good things before you address something negative. We're called to be positive people. Can I tell you that? We're called to be positive, joyful people. Isaiah 119 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, for most churches, they would just say, Just be obedient. We don't care if you're grumpy when you do it. But God says, No. If you're... You're obedient, but you're grumpy. You're not going to eat the good of the land. How many here want to eat the good of the land here at Gateway Church? Come on, I'm trying to work on your attitude, Linda. Like, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it happy. We've got to do it happy. We've got to be joyful. We've got to conquer negativity in our life because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Psalm 100, 1, 2 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with grumpiness. He's a brother in Christ. Got the joy deep, deep, deep in me. It's deep. We don't baptize you in lemon juice. Come up sour. You're called to be glad. You're called to be joyful. You're called to make a joyful noise. You're called to be laughing. I mean, who do you follow? You follow people that are free, and they're happy, and they're joyful, and they're strong. Why are they strong? Because that's where your strength comes from. It's in your joy. It's called, that's what we're called to do. Sometimes our past will hinder us. And that's why there is important time we must deal with negativity as well. Because there are things that God calls you to let go of and to repent of. But once you let go of them, you let them go to Him. You let them go to Jesus. You know, like, Lord, cleanse me. Thank you for forgiveness. Shame also can hinder us from accepting full joy for our lives because we unconsciously believe that we are still unworthy and undeserving of being happy. Imagine that the gift that God gives you in your salvation is the joy of your salvation. To have joy. He wants to give you that gift of joy. Love, joy, peace. One of the first top three that makes it's not love, seriousness, peace. Right? It's joy. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. I know that disappoints some of you. And I haven't even started pushing over some sacred counts today because we've got to be happy and we've got to be obedient and we've got to be not only obedient but willing and happy and joyful when we serve the Lord. Great wrath will come upon you if you're not joyful. I'm going to scare you in the joy if I have to. Come on. Number two. How many have heard of Murphy's Law before? All right. This is the the famous Murphy's Law, which basically says that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And we find ourselves saying that. We hear the world say that. Well, why don't we live by Messiah's Law? Anything that can go right will go right. Right? Like, if we make that our confession that anything will go wrong... It can go wrong, will go wrong. We're coming into alignment with, with sadness. We're supposed to have a hopeful future. And, well, what happens when the spaghetti hits the fan? It's okay. We just laugh at it. We're joyful. God, you got this. I'm strong enough, I'm big enough right now to overcome what's before me. Steve Backlin said this. Says, Whenever we consistently relinqu- relinquish joy in an assignment from God we have most likely hit the ceiling of our ministry influence. I'm going to say that again. Whenever we consistently relinquish joy in an assignment from God, we have most likely hit the ceiling of our ministry influence. Guys, you're going to be stepping out into some difficult things. We have to stay joyful. Because that's our strength. We can't relinquish joy in our assignment. We need to be laughing as much as little children laugh. They laugh 300 times a day. <laughs> and when we're facing a difficult assignment, we've got to do it with joy. We have a Hunger Relief Center. 25,000 families we feed every year. What I tell people, I said, as long as we're having fun, we're going to keep doing it. Right, Linda? We're going to keep joyful. Once it stops being joyful, we're done because then we don't have any strength. And people look at you like, really? Aren't you doing this for the accolades? No, we're just doing it because it's our assignment. But we've got to be joyful when we do it. Once it stops being joyful, we've got to stop. So we keep that joy. Same with your walk with Christ. Any, If you can't keep your joy in Christ, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your walk with Christ. Listen to what it says in Psalm 126:2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations... The Lord has done great things for them. Their mouth was filled with laughter. That God in his anointed one, his son, they laughed in heaven at the plans of the enemy. So when the enemy tells you you're going to get sick, you laugh at him. (laughs) When the enemy tells you I'm going to destroy you, you laugh at him. That's part of our job. And I want to show you a quick video clip which which will probably offend 50% of you. But that's what I do as a pastor, uh, and, that, and my car's running outside. It's running, and I can just run in real quick if it gets really bad. But I, I want to show you because back in the '80s and the '90s, there was what's called a laughter revival that started throughout our nation by a man by the name of Rodney Howard Brown. And Rodney Howard Brown is from South Africa, and the Lord began to use him to bring laughter into the churches. How many have ever seen a laughter revival before? Come on, raise your hand. I, I, for some of you, this is going to be... new. <laughs> it's going to be new. But I, I'm showing you biblically, because that's what I do as your pastor, As I study the Word of God, embrace the Word of God. He shows me this is why the church isn't strong, is because... We're not joyful enough. We're negative instead of being joyful. So we're going to go ahead and I want to show it's about, this is Rodney Howard Brown, and he actually had a professional laughologist. I guess there's laughologists out there who study laughter, and this laughologist came to his church to see what was happening. And so are you guys okay? Put on your pew belts right now because it's going to be a ride here. So can we, let's run that. Here we go. This is God. It's alright. This this is called joy. It's okay. The Lord's in total favor of it. You can have some. God's not grumpy. He's not throwing furniture around. Um, the Jesus is not depressed. So Jesus didn't come to condemn. If you look at a lot of religious people, that's all they're doing. Maybe it's because if I can keep them guilty or Ashamed, that I'm going to keep them coming back. I mean, really like that, isn't it? Are you kind of giving away the uh, the um, formula? I mean, does this matter. I, my thing is to release everybody. The best way I could describe it is drunkenness. Like you're inebriated. I mean, you're you're there. You're aware of what's going on. But you don't really want to stop. When One somebody second. gets prayed for and they call out on, the on the ground, man, they're kind of just laying there. We kind of call that carpet Right now, right now, right now. freedom. I'm all coming to, and come we just began to. Hallelujah. Let's give God a shout of praise. That's good. So when we're laughing, and they even say that fake laughter will release healthy endorphins into your brain. That's why I laugh. I laugh when things aren't even funny. I'm just like, ha 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 ha, because it's a drug. It's an endorphin. When you think negative thoughts, you're filling your body. You're poisoning your body. Did you know that? When you think negative thoughts, you're poisoning your body. So when you laugh, ha 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 ha. Like belly laughs are good too. You're releasing a health into your body. You're releasing um, your, your, the draining of the poison in your body because of laughter. And that's of, your laughter is a weapon. Use it as a weapon to defeat the enemy. Sometimes we, we think it's, you know, the enemy says, I'm going to do this. And we get into our mind and we're like, hmm, I'm going to pray the right prayer. or No, just laugh at him. It'll release the victory into your life. Your attitude is a magnet that will attract either good or bad so people have negative things happen to them oftentimes because that's what's inside of them I'm not saying that's always the case but I can tell you that we want to attract the positive things in our life so we have to change our mindset how many want to attract the positive in your life amen we want we want to learn how to shut down defeat negativity in our life so that we can move forward and some of that happens because of not only what's in our past because the bible well let's say the bible says i'm going to tell you this if we don't deal with the guilt of our past and if we have a hopeless future we'll have no power in our present you need to be powerful in the present this is the season of the local church we need to be powerful so we need to know except jesus what the work he did for forgiveness but then begin to laugh at the future, laugh at the days to come. That's a Proverbs 31 woman. She's laughing at the days to come. Well, that's so irresponsible, pastor. No, it's actually the most responsible thing you can do for your future is to laugh at it because it gives you strength to conquer what your future needs to be have conquered in it. So we talked about dire straits and Murphy's Law. I want to talk about doom and gloom. Because the church has awful end-time theology. There, I said it. The church has awful end-time theology. Can we just laugh at the end-time theology out there? <laughs> it's bad. It really is. It's like Christian horror movies. How the end's going to happen. People will get the mark of the beast. and You know, the Bible talks more about the seal of God on believers and it does the mark of the beast but for us we, we like the hype the, the left behind series is a, is a fairy tale Tim LaHaye when he wrote that he's not biblically based when he wrote that there's a lot of information that's been twisted in turn to make the end of the world look like it's doom and gloom instead of victorious And if we have a doom and gloom mindset, then we're gonna be wishing that the world gets worse and worse instead of stepping into our call and our place, which is called to be glorious and powerful. See, it's all in in the scheme of the enemy. And, you know, God bless. I mean, I've sat under a number of rapture sermons and they were anointed, they were good, but they weren't accurate. And I can respect and honor different people's theology but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up a, a, a can of doves this morning. Is that okay? You know, but a can of worms, the proverbial. This is going to be a can of doves for you. Most of the end time, theology puts us in a victim mode that we need to see ourselves to be rescued. God is going to rapture us out of here because we're so pitiful. It's not biblical. He's coming back for a bride, a glorious joyful bride and we bring him back we bring him back when we become that glorious dazzling radiant bride let's all have all the men say amen to that (laughs) come on let's have the men say i am the bride of christ come on men that was so motivated man come on let's try that again I am the bride of Christ. Yeah, you're beautiful. Come on. Francis Fanzapan said this. He said, any area of your life that does not have glistening hope is governed by a lie. Any area of your life that doesn't have glistening hope is governed by a lie the enemy's been working real hard on the end time theology of the church that we need to uncover when we were doing the fair this year we had how many got the work be at the fair at all this year some of you guys and you know we just had a number of people come in a lot of people that were into witchcraft and the new age and i had one gal that come in and she was hard hardcore wiccan and i'm just going okay god i gave her, her name nothing's moving nothing's happening and you could tell she was, in, she was into a lot of very deep, dark stuff. And so I just began to tell her. I said, the pro- I said, the problem I see in your life is you've never been kissed by the Creator. You just need God to give you a big kiss. She looked like I had a box of aliens underneath my bed or something. I said, no, that's, that's what God wants to do. He wants to kiss you and you could tell nothing else was impacting her but she be, she began to like let down her wall and to open up to the gospel i can't remember the we did like 3 4 or 500 people i can't remember what happened with everybody but i was reading this the other day in first samuel 10:1 there was a king named saul and well there was a man named saul and there was a prophet named samuel and samuel went to anoint this man to be the next king now when you're anointed for something that means it's a task that you're called to do I'm anointed as a pastor here. So I'm anointed to do this job And so god has anointed me to do that And when samuel came to saul to anoint him first samuel 10:1 it says then samuel Took a flask of oil and poured it on his head And kissed him Now and I thought how many of us? received our mantle our task of what we're supposed to do but we haven't allowed the one who anointed us to kiss us your problem is you haven't let him kiss you that's how the song of songs begin let him kiss me well, can we just shake hands first lord no like we're going deep, like we're going into this, like right away, let, him, let the Lord kiss you. When he kisses you, then it anoints you. It's mixed with the anointing. Did you know the Hebrew word for kiss is nishak, which means to equip or to arm for battle. It also means kiss or to take a drink of wine. So by him kissing you, he's equipped you to do the battle that he's called you to do. Doesn't sound like a good military tactic. Come on, men, let's get together. We need to, the general go and kiss every one of you so you go out and do war, right? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that's part of the equipping is to get kissed by God. You know, the end of the world as we know it isn't ultimately about judgment and destruction. It's about renewal. The Lamb of God is one, and so have we. Ultimately. And when we look at the book of Revelation this is going to change your concept. And I I hope we can talk more about the book of Revelation this summer because it's been misconstrued. And I want to just show you in the very first sentence of this book, and it's called Revelation, not Revelations. It's not a bunch of Revelations. It's, let's we're going to do something that may be scandalous here, but we're actually going to read the book of Revelation instead of read books about the book of Revelation. It's crazy, right? Who would do that? But I want to show you, and I, and <laughs> it's going to challenge you. It's going to, it's going to make you step back and go, wait a second. Are you saying, yeah, I am. Revelation one. This... Is the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What is the book of Revelation about? about revelation 1.1? The unveiling of the Antichrist. And the four beasts and the four horsemen. It's the revelation of the end times. It's coming. Is that what it says? It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. which God gave to share with his loving servants what must occur swiftly. So the book of Revelation was actually transferred four times from God the Father to Jesus, from Jesus to the angel, and from the angel to John. And now it's to us. I might have added in another one. But it was so powerful that it needed that four times to go through for us to get it. And it's not an unveiling of the end times. It's an unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. So this word here we call the unveiling. It's a Greek word called apocalypsis. Now most of us, when we think about apocalypsis, we think of the apocalypse. And we have in our mind, this is the apocalypse must mean it's, what evil is going to happen in the end times. No. The apocalypse is a Greek word which is a compound word found 18 times in the New Testament. The word revelation is not primarily lifting the veil off coming events but the unveiling of Jesus Christ. When you read the book of Revelation there's a blessing that is promised in this book that it will unveil Jesus. Why do you think the enemy has worked so hard to keep you from reading it? Because he wants you to be scared of it. Instead, we need to embrace it. So apocalypse combines apo, which means to tulip, and kalupto, which means the veil hide cover, so could be translated the lifting of the veil or the unveiling of Jesus Christ is what the book of Revelation is. Revelations 1.3 says this, A joyous blessing rests upon the one who reads this message. How many have gone into the book of Revelation thinking that? (laughs) Great. When we go into this book, there's a joyous blessing that will come upon us and upon those who hear and embrace the words of this prophecy for the appointed time is in your hands. The book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises a rich blessing to those who read and obey what it states. The word blessing can mean happiness. So when we look in the book of Revelation, if it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ, this is where I want to challenge you today as as we kind of land this plane here. What if the unveiling of Jesus Christ is not Jesus Coming, you know, the word second coming is not in the Bible, though. I do believe Jesus will return to this earth, the new Jerusalem. It's a picture. But what if the unveiling is not Jesus Christ appearing in the sky, but it's actually the unveiling of Jesus in us, the church? Make you think a little bit this morning. What if Jesus is already here? He just hasn't been unveiled in you and me yet. What if the book of Revelation is about Christ being unveiled in his bride? And we've been looking in the sky for him. The rapture can come at any time. How many times is the word rapture in the Bible? Zero. So we put so much emphasis upon Jesus coming from heaven and returning to this planet. Instead, if the em- what if the emphasis on Jesus being unveiled in us on this planet now. The Greek verb tense erkomai appears or comes can be translated he is now coming or he is in the act of com- coming and continues to come. Revelation one seven said, "Behold, he appears." Within the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Now, clouds oftentimes in the Bible represent people. So if he appears within the clouds, he's appearing within the people. And this is the unveiling that's taking place. This is, the rapture is not the next big event of the church. It's the unveiling of Jesus in the church as the sons and daughters of God. You can get a little excited here anytime you want to, but you guys are like, wait, what is he talking about? We're praying. Remember, you've been taught, you and I have been taught, we need to get people saved so they can go to heaven. But we're actually praying your kingdom come. We're praying for heaven to come here. You understand they're It's it's a different paradigm, but it's the biblical paradigm. We're not here needing to be rescued as much as we're called to unveil Jesus Christ to the world. And joy, joy is the key to that unveiling. The church hasn't been joyful enough. You're not laughing enough. You're not joyful enough then you'll be strong then you'll be powerful how many want a laughter revival to break out a gateway church amen a laughter revival to break out in our city where we get hit with with joy drunken joy <laughs> that's a sign and a wonder by the way that's happened throughout history so what happens in revelations 21 12 it says i saw the holy city the new jerusalem descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of god like a pleasing bride that has been prepared for her husband adorned for her wedding so we see the picture of the new jerusalem is a picture of the bride if there is a city coming out of heaven a new jerusalem but it's also pointing to the bride that's coming we have to see there's a correlation Between the new Jerusalem and us as the bride of Christ. That this is happening. And we see Romans 8, 19. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Yearning to see the unveiling. This is the word apocalypse again. How many recognize that word apocalypse is not about these horrible end times? The apocalypse means... The unveiling. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. That's the next great event of the church, is we're going to be unveiled, you and I. And Jesus is going to flow out of us. I love what Todd White says. He, He says, When Christians go through difficult times, we're going to see what comes out of us. He said, you squeeze an orange, orange juice should come out. You squeeze a tomato, tomato juice should come out. But you squeeze an orange and tomato juice comes out. That's weird. Christ is in us, correct? You squeeze a Christian, what should come out? If anything else comes out, that's weird. And we're going to be squeezed in this season. And when we get squeezed, what's going to come out? (laughs) Come on, I'm giving you a tool today. I'm giving you a weapon today to defeat the enemy. I'm giving you a tool right now that's something that you have inside of you to accomplish. And can I tell you? that if you become joyful and obedient, you're gonna hasten, quicken the Lord's coming. Did you know you have the authority to do that? The reason Jesus isn't here yet, is because we are not joyful and obedient enough. How many wanna bring the Lord's coming, right? We can bring the Lord's coming through our joy. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.12, While we anticipate and help to speed up the coming of the day of God. We can speed up that coming through our joy and through our obedience. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's stand together. Let's give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to pray. I want to pray some radical prayers over you this morning. Are you guys ready for some radical prayers? Yes. All right. Come on. I just invite you just to stretch your hands up before the Lord. And, glory, God, I just thank you. I thank you for this people. I thank you that this is the season of the local church. God, I thank you that this is your people. We are your people, Lord, and we make a joyful noise. We serve you with gladness today, God. We are grateful For our god and our savior we thank you for what you've done for us and you did it so well jesus you did a great job by cleansing us and bringing us into the family of god good job jesus thank you for that lord you did the hard work lord if you've never received what jesus did for you his hard work do that today say jesus i receive the work you did on the cross for me for my salvation i receive it freely as a gift and i thank you for it with joy now lord today i pray god we take authority over the spirit of jezebel and every bit of anxiety lord god that, that people have put upon us lord that this spirit has wanted to to get into our mental parking spot we say go in the name of jesus come on i want you to you may not understand but command i command the spirit of jezebel out of me out of my life out of my identity Anxiety, go back to hell where you belong in the name of Jesus. Come on, just let out a laughter at anxiety right now. <laughs> Come on, it's the most responsible thing you can do right now is laugh. Come on. <laughs> that's resp- that's being responsible is laughing. <laughs> so God, thank you. We have defeated anxiety through laughter, Lord. And I thank you for joy in the present. And God, we thank you that we have a glorious future. And I pray, God, for everyone in this place today, Lord, for the joy of the Lord to consume them. I want you to just take a moment, put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you, and just begin to release the joy of the Lord over them. Bless them. Release the goodness of God. Pray a radical prayer over them. Thank you for supernatural joy right now. if If they're sick in their body, the Bible says a cheerful heart is the best medicine. So just release healing over them. Come on, just, just let out a good laugh this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Come on, press in for the joy of the Lord this morning lean into the joy lean into the joy of the lord this morning lean into the joy come on laugh this morning lean into his joy <laughs> thank you lord thank you jesus thank you lord <laughs> you are so good lord we love you and praise you come on let's give god a shout of praise this morning hallelujah thank you lord